Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan Fadukba as ever. So uh, welcome uh, Jonathan, how's tricks? Hi Steve, hi everybody, thank you for tuning in, hope you're all well and yeah I'm, I'm doing alright, I've got my hoe garden this evening, I've upgraded from tea to uh to a beer yeah, that's friday night we're having a you know a recording before the weekend so so why not and uh yeah glad everyone can join us good to hear good to hear i'm uh, doing quite well myself got a slight twinge of the back um not really sure how i managed to uh, injure myself there but it doesn't bode well does it on the eve of a cricket match when i've got a back problem but um there you go it's uh, the way it goes mate but uh yeah, yeah nerves i just hope it holds out for me during uh, during the day during the match but um they don't call you the uh marcus reason they don't call you the nicholas bentner of, of the cricket field for nothing <laughs> and indeed uh, you know bow down to the lord <laughs> as they say but later uh, let's go on to footballing masses then and uh, well, it was actually a quiet week in norway um had a week off in the elitarian but in sweden uh, midweek rounds, and we've now played 10 fixtures in the Auslenskan um, so far. Um, I mean, how are you? First of all, let's have a, a brief run uh, rundown of those uh, some of those results. So, Jonathan, what caught your eye? Were there any real shocks out there? Were there any, uh, you know, anything really big that stood out? Yeah, since uh, the last episode, we've had a couple more rounds. It seems to be every, like I said last time, it seems to be every five minutes you turn around and you know, you cross the road and there's an Allsvenskan game on. So um, plenty of football at the moment, which makes up for the long absence. Um, I, I watched Malmo Hammerby uh, from yesterday's games. That was a really interesting game. 3-0 <laughs> to Malmo. And yeah, we'll talk about that in a second, I'm sure. But uh, in general, it's been a, a mad season. I mean, it's unbelievably difficult to predict what's going to happen at times. You get teams, one minute they, they beat you know, a big team, you know, serious beat North Shopping, for example. Um, their unbeaten run is gone. You know, you've, you're getting teams doing really well one week and then getting absolutely smashed the next week. Mialbi, for example, you know, we, we bigged them up last week on the show, didn't we? And, you know, this past week they got beaten 5-0 at home. So, <laughs> yeah, it's really, it is definitely a lot of entertainment, let's put it that way. Yeah, I looked at uh, the Mialbi results and I thought, oh no, we've absolutely cursed them here, haven't we, by bigging them up? But um, yeah, I mean, there seems to be a lot of wild variations in, in scores. Shocks are plenty, you know, throughout the season so far. Um, North Shipping, like you said, they you know they lost their unbeaten record, but they bounced back with a win against Varberg. They do have a four-point four uh, lead at the top of the table. 23 points for North Shipping, 19 points for Malmo, 19 points for Elfsborg, who we are going to talk about for once in this episode. Um, and then I got to Hecken on 17. Down at the bottom, for those who are interested, Falkenberg, Kalmar on seven points, Helsingborg on eight, Ustersund uh, on nine. So, uh, I mean, one of the games that uh, we are going to talk about in uh, detail is, is uh, Malmö Hammerby, uh, Jonathan. And Hammerby were your pre-season tip to win the league. Um, and at the minute, it's not going so well for them, is it? Uh, you know, they're 11 points off the pace, they're struggling, and I do believe they were... I think you mentioned in a message to me the, the other night, they were a bit of a shambles in this game. So what went wrong? Yeah, I think it's the, you know, the the, the JF curse or maybe a blessing because I predicted no shopping last season and now they're, they're well top. So maybe it's skipping a year, my predictions. But um, like I said in the season preview, my prediction was predicated on whether they signed Zlatan or not. I felt if they get Zlatan, they'll win the league. I don't see Zlatan anywhere at the moment. I think he played tonight for AC Milan. So, um, you know, that's not happened. And, you know, I, don't, I think if you'd have asked me in that preseason show, I think I said it. If, if they don't sign Zlatan, then I don't think they'll probably win it. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know. I don't think anybody can expect the sort of collapse that we've witnessed from Hammerby this season. It, it's in, quite incredible, to be honest. Um, a few reasons for it. Yes, it, it's difficult to really pinpoint. I mean, we'll talk about the reasons why they've collapsed like this. But the game against Malmo was really, really shocking, I'll be honest. A 3-0 defeat, but it was so easy for, for Malmo um, to win the match. You know, I tuned in thinking it's going to be a, a, a relatively even game. You know, maybe a well two well-matched teams. Um, Hammerby, 
sort of picked up a little bit of form, if you can call it that. You know, they went into the game having picked up, you know, one or two results that you might say, okay, you know, they, they won at Kalmar. Uh, they were three unbeaten. They, they drew the serious, drew the EF core, which was, you know, put an end to a bit of a, a really um, poor run where they'd lost three out of their last four games before that. Uh, so, you know, you know, I went into it expecting a, a tight game, but it was a one-way street, you know, all game. It was Malmo dominant. Uh, Joe Ingeberg gets scored in the 28th minute. Uh, Issa Tell Keisa Tellin in the 36th minute. And then straight after halftime, straight from the kickoff after halftime, uh, Marcos Antonsen with a tap-in to make it 3-0. I have to say, Steve, what's, what I witnessed from Hammerby in that game did shock me. It was It was that bad. So Hammerby, what exactly is going wrong there at uh, uh, in the green half of uh, Stockholm, Jonathan? Um, real issues, it seems. Yeah, it's a weird, weird situation. Uh, Stefan Bilborn definitely coming under pressure. You know, there's starting to be little rumours and whispers maybe about his job. Fans are not happy. Uh, he mentioned that he thinks the crowd is having the impact, you know, lack of fans. I don't think you can really have that as an excuse as a professional footballer for, for your level to, to drop so drastically. But, you know, it could, it could be it's certainly plausible in terms of a factor. Um, but, yeah, there's real real issues with Hammerby. You know, I've looked into the numbers and, and, and looked at the statistics in terms of where they're going wrong. You know, we can talk about it from a wider point of view, why they've been so poor. I mean, that game, honestly, it was, it was they were woeful. It was a matter of time before Malmo scored. You could see it coming. They had so many chances. But I'll just look at, you know, firstly, I'll just look at the um, statistics. Hammerby last season had an XG in total in 2019 of 1.74 um you know they remember this was a team who scored so many goals they broke the Allsvenskan record for a 30 game season in terms of goals scored they were flying they were attacking they were exciting to watch they were battering teams left right and center you know 1.74 xg and their expected goals against was 1.25 now that's not too bad you know one goal over one goal a game that was the area that cost them the title in the end um you know their defense wasn't good enough to win the league they narrowly missed out but that was the area they wanted to, you know, you want to keep your XG lower and increase, keep the, keep that XG and, and just reduce the XG against. This season so far, Steve, in 2020, the XG is 1.19. Uh, so a massive dip from 1.74 and their expected goals against is 1.59. So it's gone up, way up. So, you know, their expected goals is way down, expected goals against way up. Uh, that's one factor. You've then got player, individual players, you know, that, one of the things I noticed in that game, Steve, that really shocked me was how poor uh, the players were. Ducking out of 50-50s, the midfield was embarrassing. You know, and this is a team that wasn't too bad. I saw them at the start of the season against Ostersunds. You know, they played they, they play quite well. But since then, they've been alarming in, in their sort of just general kind of lack of impetus. You know, so, some of the challenges they pulled out, if you watch that, anyone who saw that game will, 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 will know. Um, there, were, there were areas of play where they literally just gave the ball away in the center of midfield. And it was actually embarrassing to, to watch at times. It was kind of exemplified by Muhammad Tankovic. Um, now Tankovic is, you know, a top player and he's out of contract in, in about three or four days time. His contract expires end of July. You know, he was a talisman last season. So many rumors about him going to Serie A and that kind of thing. He is also another one who, who his statistics are just way down and he, he embodies what's happening at Hammerby at the moment. You know, last season, through passes per 90, 1.73. Accurate through passes, 46.9%. Dribbles per 90, 4.49. Successful dribbles, 55%. 2020, through passes from 1.73 to 1.05. Accurate through pass percentage, Steve, zero. Zero percent from 46.9%. Dribbles per 90, 3.68. Okay, slightly down, but successful dribbles, 34%. I mean, he and Kakanichlic yesterday, you know, for anyone who's got a Tankovic in their fantasy, which includes me, by the way, you're going to have him out of your team within a week because he was embarrassing. You know, it was really poor. They were hauled off after 57 minutes. Um, really worrying signs for Hammerby in, in many areas of their of their all-round play. I, I don't get it. I mean, they were free-flowing. I watched a lot of their games last season, you know, with chances galore, everything like that. I mean, I, mean, I know they were awesome at home last year. I just wonder maybe whether they could uh, have an excuse on the, the lack of a crowd, perhaps maybe, maybe they've got the type of players who like to perform in front of, you know, on the big stage, if you might say, maybe it gets their juices flowing a bit more, but um, 
that's the only thing I can think of. It just otherwise a massive drop in, in quality. Did they overachieve last season with what they had? Did those certain players that you mentioned there just have freak stellar years that they couldn't repeat again? Uh, it just seems such a massive turnaround. But their, their big strength, which was scoring goals, has gone out of the window. So they've got huge issues, haven't they? Yeah, and the thing is, you know, in a lot of the metrics, they're not actually that bad in terms of their dip. So when you look at their possession, their average possession this season so far is 53.5%. Their average possession last season was 53.07. You know, so they're keeping this relatively the same possession statistics. Shots on target, even again, the opponents are averaging 11.4 shots against them um, this season per game. Last season, they averaged 11.93. So, you know, there's not a huge difference there, in all honesty. Um, you know, Hammerby last season, 13.73 shots on average. Um, this season, 11.2. So there's a dip, but it's not, you know, it's not a huge dip. Um, but one area they're massively, really struggling in is, I think, I think Nikola Djurgic losing him was a massive blow. They've, they've really declined in terms of their percentage of shots on target. You know, it's down to, um, you know, it was 38.4% last season. It's down to 27%. Paulinho, he really hasn't, you know, there was a big fuss about him joining from from uh, from uh, Hacken. You know, Hacken fans at the moment are kind of chuckling to themselves because they've not really missed him and he's not not really got, got going at Hammerby yet. Um, you know, they're not getting those goals that they, they need. Ludvigsen's looked quite lively up front. He's, he's trying his best, but, you know, he's flanked by players who aren't really getting those shots on target. He's flanked by players who aren't just making those hard yards, making those through passes, as, just, as I've just mentioned with Tankovic. Just... There's been a, a decline, and whether that's because of maybe lack of fans, maybe just the, the number of games they're playing. You know, the defence is still a lot of question marks. There's a lot of rotation going on in that squad. Um, maybe I don't know if it's the five substitutes is affecting them a little bit, but yeah, they're really, really struggling at the moment, Hammerby, and it doesn't look like getting really any better for them, to be honest. You know, they've lost 3-0 at Hacken, 3-0 at Malmo, 2-1 at, at Mialbi, 2-0 at home to AOK. They really need to get their artisan gear to be honest and fast yeah you mentioned the five five uh, substitute rule there how do you think that's been working out in the swedish league so far uh, jonathan what are your thoughts on it yeah well i did have a little bit of a rant about this on on, on twitter and um i saw that that's why i'm asking <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i've got to be honest with you steve I, i'm not a fan of not a fan of these five this five sub rule i mean i do get it obviously we we heard the announcement today in the premier league that the new season starts in about seven weeks' time, which is, to be honest, ridiculous. Uh, the season hasn't even ended yet, and the new one starts in September the 13th. I don't know how they're going to prepare for that. So I, I suppose from that, you know, point of view, you can you can you can see the rationale for player safety behind behind five subs. But but I just wonder if it's necessary in Sweden, Steve. And one thing I noticed in the game yesterday, they didn't obey. They didn't seem to obey the kind of rule that 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 applies in England, where you have to um, make your three subs. You have to make your five subs within the three sub remit. So you're allowed to make substitutes at half time, and then at three other points in the game. So you can't make five individual different subs. But um, Hammerby made four individual different substitutes. They made sub in the 46th minute, two in the 59th minute, one in the 76th minute, and one in the 85th minute. So that that seems to me to go against the the rules, from what I can understand, maybe. Um, but I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, in general, yeah, you had the total there of sort of 11, 12 subs, uh, one or two minutes break for each one. The game, the game, honestly, you may as well have ended it at halftime. As soon as Antonsen scored that third goal, you may as well have just ended the game because all that happened from then on was a little bit of play, 20, 30 seconds maybe, maybe one attack, ball out of play for a throw-in, ball back in play for a little bit, substitution, ball back in play, maybe a little bit of play that goes to a corner, you know, no empathy, no, no sort of, no sort of momentum in terms of crowd. No, nothing to, to spark the, the teams on. A little bit of breaking play again. Another substitution. Another couple of substitutions. Two minutes here, two minutes there, and then they had, you know, eleven substitutions and and, and three minutes of stoppage time. So um, it, it's not working for me really. It, it, if you're looking at it from a football point of view, in terms of keeping fans engaged. You know, I was checking my phone about 15 times during that second half and it was boring. And uh, I, I know a few people tweeted and said they agree. Um, I just worry about five subs, especially when they're going to keep it for a, a while longer in, in Sweden. I wonder if it's necessary. The problem with adding on time at the end, it's very variable. 
but like, I've been watching a bit of MLS action recently. And there was one match where there was about 10 minutes uh, clearly needed to be added on at the end of a match and only plus four got added. Yeah. And yet there was another match where clearly there wasn't not that much was needed to be added on. They added like eight on. So I think it's just, and this will always be a problem until actually an official clock is added for game stops, then this will always happen. So Yeah, but sh surely you can just stop the clock and just continue. Exactly. Three, three, three minutes yeah. is just stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. Substitutes. Yeah. You don't have to be a genius to figure that one out. And no. what it does is like it just kills the momentum. There was no there was no desire for Malmo to really score, except they brought on a really good sub we're going to talk about in a minute. Um Hamabu were just happy to take the three nil. I mean Malmo could have scored seven or eight to be honest. They were like they still had a lot of chances, but the game was just sort of petering out to, to nothingness and just the amount of subs just killed anytime there was any bit of momentum, it's just subs, subs, subs and I didn't like it. I mean, one thing I like about Svenskan, actually, a fairly interesting statistic is um, the CIES Observatory has done has produced evidence in, in past seasons to show that Svenskan actually has the, the highest amount of game time in play statistics in in Europe's uh, in, in around Europe. Um, so you know, in general, Sweden is quite good for for, for ball in play time, um, best in Europe. But uh, this season, you know, and it's 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 a, it's a theme as well in other leagues. But it, I think in getting in Sweden, it's just it really the, the games are sort of petering out to dull spectacles in the second half. I've I've found. Who does it? What's who does he think it suits more? The five sub rule because there's a case for you know if you've got a big bench like Man City or something, then obviously it helps have extra quality. But at the same time, these smaller clubs that we've got tactics, you know, pressing and stuff, you know, maybe it helps them as well to bring on fresh legs more. So, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is another one, and uh, someone actually said to me the other day that you know we're talking a lot on Twitter. I think I think I maybe need to ration my Twitter time, you know, during this pandemic. I've been been on it a bit more than I usually am, and uh, yeah, there was a debate that I I was involved in that was talking about, um, you know, w will the five subs rule benefit? You know, obviously the the, the common consensus was it will benefit the big clubs. Um, I I can see the rationale behind that, and obviously that's true to a certain extent, but I I don't subscribe to the idea that it's sort of like a a big club kind of conspiracy to, to to help the big clubs because I think if you're a small club you can you can take advantage of it and I think creative teams will find ways that you know as as the longer the rule is in place creative coaches I think will find ways to 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 use that to their advantage at smaller clubs you know I was thinking of imagine five subs in the Tony Pulis era uh, Steve yeah you'd probably have five different throw-in takers coming on yeah <laughs> like you'd have Rory the Lapin and two of his mates. Um, you know, I can imagine sort of Tony Pulis being on a five, five centre backs at half time. You know, you know, sort of um, just just playing a really deep block. As soon as the players are tired, bring one off, bring one off, bring one off, and you've got half a team. You know, when you look at it, five subs, that's ten, ten changes you can make in a game for both teams. You're you're, you're changing the makeup of the entire the fifty fifty percent of the team to make up changes. So that's where the momentum I think goes. Um, but I don't think it necessarily you know suits the big clubs i think i was being a little bit provocative on twitter you know i think obviously the big clubs have an advantage but i don't i don't think it strictly benefits big clubs i think small clubs can find ways around that you know wasting time um like i said that game it petered out because there was just no no desire if you if you're a big team and you want to play attacking football if a smaller team has the ability with five subs to break up the play even more you know change things have fresher players who can defend so um I think there are ways to exploit that rule for smaller clubs, and I think the smart clubs will, will do that. I think there's less, probably less fear to get yellow cards as well, isn't there? You get your yellow card, you exactly. take them off, no problem at all. Um, uh, back to, I mean, Malmo, uh, quickly before we, uh, uh, well, actually, we're going to talk about Malmo a bit more in general, uh, in depth now, actually. Uh, I mean, there's three wins in a row now. They're looking like the most likely title challenger to Norshipping. Are they starting to show their credentials again? Yeah, I was impressed with what I saw from from Malmo. To be honest, um, they're always, you know, they're a good team, Malmo. You know, they're they're, they're the big boys of, of of Sweden, really, aren't they? And I know that's a fairly obvious thing to say, but they are just a, a solid team. Um, you know, they played a nice sort of three four three formation. It was fairly fluid. Yondal Thomason, to be fair to him, I, I thought I, I saw good signs in Malmo in terms of their, their style of play, their build up play. Um, you know, they've got really good players, haven't they? You know, like Anders Christiansen and Keith Tellen, I think is too good for Svenskan, in my opinion. I think he's a really good striker. He'll get a lot of goals. Um, he he 
you know, scored a really, really good goal. He was sort of clean through and just sort of buried it. One of those players who can just finish finish chances. You know, some players in that situation, they snatch at it, but he just took it calmly. Um, they've got good players. So, you know, they're not looking too bad. 16 goals scored, nine conceded. You know, that, that's, that's decent in terms of their, their, their metrics, you know, for and against. They're sort of closing in on Northrop now. It's a four-point gap. And, of course, of all the teams, I would expect them to um, to be a challenger for sure. Now, we've got a player in focus uh, on this episode, and it is a Malmo player you're going to talk about. Um, so uh, take it away from here, Jonathan. Who is the player that we're going to be dissecting in this podcast today? Yeah, well, it's a long time since we've, we've done one of these, isn't it? And uh, unfortunately, one of the ones we, we did back in the early... Whenever I think of team in focus, I always think of Kingsley Sarfo, but uh, I shouldn't really laugh because he ended up in prison. So, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I always think about how we bigged him up, and then you know, you get story, you get stories of like players he predicted to do well, isn't it? And uh, that was certainly one that didn't go well. But uh, that was for off-field reasons, and and like I say, probably not really funny. But um, yeah, we haven't done it for a while. Um, this player that I wanted to talk about is a player that I well, that just came to my attention during that Malmo and Hammerby game. So, um, yeah, we're going to look at a player called Amin Saar at Malmo. He's our player in focus this week, Steve. Well, let's hope he's not such a bad boy as Babakar Saar was um, over in Mulder there. But uh, Amin Saar, then, he's a young lad, 19-year-old. Uh, what can you tell us about him? Because he certainly hasn't made uh, many competitive appearances, has he? Yeah, unfortunately, well, you mentioned Pavakasa and Safo. They've got fairly common history, if you believe allegations, um, allegedly, which I, obviously let's let's move on from that extremely quickly if we can. But Amin Saar, he's a 19-year-old um, player. Uh, Malmö he's only just broken through. He's literally played about four four games in Osvenskan for them off the bench. So hasn't even started a game for them yet. But you know what it's like, Steve. Uh, you don't even get a chance to sort of, um, you know, have a breather in this league before you link to bigger clubs. So... You can imagine that already there'll be people maybe starting to look. I've noticed this season, and I'm sure you have too, there's a lot more interest, isn't there, at the moment on on sort of Sweden, Norway, Scandinavia in general, uh, yeah. from, from clubs around Europe starting to look at look, at, look out for the next Haaland or the next, you know, Negrin players like that, becoming a really attractive destination. So, so I'm sure we'll have suitors very soon. Um, he's a good-looking kid. He's got a nice jawline about him, looks like a model um, on his Instagram page. Uh, really quick player. So, what I liked about him in that game is he came off the bench and, as I mentioned to you, it was a drab sort of second half. I was sitting there bored thinking, you know, this is just useless waste of time. Why don't they just end the game? But Saar came on and added a little bit about it. You know, came when he was running at, running at defenders. Uh, he's a forward, but he, he's been deployed on the right wing by Thomason so far since he's, um, you know, in the games he's, he's appeared. Made his debut last season against Ostersons, I believe. Um, mainly appearances from the bench, like I say. But um, really good 1v1 dribbling potential. He's made eight dribbles with a 75% success rate off the bench. You know, really just running at players. And some of the chances he created yesterday were, were, were brilliant. I mean, he's made 2.57 shot assists per 90 at the moment on his average. Although he hasn't even, he's only played, I think, a full 90 in total. But, you know, 2.57 shot assists and 75% uh, success rate on eight dribbles is really quite encouraging. And uh, Marcos Antonsen owes him his wages, in my opinion. For um for yesterday's game because he laid him on he laid it on a plate for him at least once or twice there was one run he made Saar where he beat about four men down the wing like really exciting you know edge of your seat type stuff laid it across and it's a simple tap in and uh, Antonson smashed it about fifteen yards over the bar it was an awful miss um but you know what it's like Steve you you see these players quite early and uh, before you know it they're off so I just wanted to highlight him because he 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 looks a decent player and there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk about this player this week. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of Belgian clubs are on alert already. And uh, although maybe, hey, maybe in these in this sort of uh, Corona era, they're going to face a bit more competition for um, these Scandinavian talents that uh, go through. But uh, you know, I'm sure someone like Genk, Ghent, whoever else, will be highly interested. So uh, you know, he sounds like a really interesting player. Um, relatively reasonably tall as well in terms of physical. Uh, attributes. Um, can you see him realistically? Just say he was to be staying at Malmo, you know, the whole season. Can you see him getting quite a lot of minutes, or will it be just sort of bench appearances? Well, what I like about him is, you know, 
I'm going to be totally honest with you, Stephen, and Malmo fans might not like me for saying this, but Malmo are one of those teams that when I, when I watch them, they're very, very good, but they're very, very functional. And I felt that for a few years under Uwe Rosler, for example, and even going back to um, you know previous managers. They're a team that I don't tend to... If there's a full schedule of games, I don't tend to choose Malmo if I, you know, if I had to choose a team to watch. I think there's been better teams have played better football than them in the last few years. Um, although they're always up there, you know, they're a good side, but they, I'm not, you know, they don't really excite me. Saar is a player I think that could potentially excite the fans. You know, I think they've lacked that a bit in, in recent seasons. You know, they've got players who are okay, but they don't get you excited when you go to a game. You know, they're not like there's Latin, they're not like Alexander Isak. They're not a sort of, um, you know, there's been so many players, and Negro, and there's, there's been so many players in the last two, three years where you, you, you tune in to watch those players. Malmo are a bit more functional. You know they're going to win sort of 2 3 nil maybe. And sometimes you get that feeling that there's not a lot really to gain from this, from watching, um, you know, even tactically. They're, they're not that, they haven't, under Roswell, I didn't think they were that innovative, uh, not really doing anything new. But Saar, what I like about him is, you know, he, he, he just looks really fresh. You know, he joined as a 16-year-old. Um, he's running at players. He won a penalty against Kalmar. Kisa Tellin actually missed the penalty. It would have been his hat-trick. Last minute, he drew a foul. Just, you know, someone who gets you off his seat, like I've said, you know, it's just really refreshing to see that and, and, and lovely to see it, really. Um, another thing I like about him, you know, he's done really well in the under-19 Osvenskan. Um, 13 goals in 19 games. But w- what I like about him is he's quite confident. He came out and said already, that, you know, they, they, there's been a lot of press about him in this week, you know, now that he's come through. You know, he said he's always dreamed of playing for Malmo. And and one of the things he said was he wants to be the best player in the world. Now, I don't know where you sit on, on, on that fence, Steve, in terms of arrogance versus confidence, but, you know, I, I like a player who comes out and, and has high ambitions. You know, I know it's um probably a bit, bit, bit too early to say that, but I do, I do like players who come out and are confident enough to say things like that. You know, let's see if he can back it up. Obviously, he's got a long way to go to even get in Mamba's team, let alone be the best player in the world. But I don't mind that. You know, I quite like a little bit of. Um, I like someone setting a clear goal in their mind and, and being confident enough to say it. I think that was, that's quite refreshing for me. And um, just all round, uh, what I like, that's what I like about him. He seems like he's you know got some ambition about him. I like that as well. You know, dare to dream. Why not? You know, why not? If you, what's the point in life if you're not aiming high like that? I think yeah. the stage when you got to be realistic, but at that age, why not? You know, so fair play to him. And he said he said he wants to, you know, he wants to be the best player in the world. I'd like to play in the Premier League, in the La Liga. I want to be in the top competitions, Champions League. And like you say, you know, if someone said to you, what you know, what what are your ambitions as a player? You know, you often get players who play it now, don't they? Or they've had media training and they say, oh, well. I'd like to get in the, I'd like to get in the first team and go from there. Game at a time, you know. Boring, <laughs> like boring kind of um, paint by numbers reaction. I like players who say something a little bit different, have a bit of confidence in himself. Let's see if he can back it up, you know. But he's he's made a really good start with his um, first few appearances. Looks really lively. Definitely one to watch. Yeah, I just want to make sure we got the three points. That's what matters the most. Forget about me and my future. <laughs> Do it get three points for the fans. You know, that's a typical sort of response you get, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I think you've been practicing that on FM, haven't you, Steve? <laughs> but, um, Post-match press conference. <laughs> oh, man, what was I going to say? Yeah, there's always one team. You go back to Malmo and you say, ah, oh, if there was a choice of games, you probably wouldn't watch them. There's always one team, isn't there? I mean, for me, for about the last three or four seasons, it was always Lillestrom. I'm like, I don't want to watch them because there's nothing. You know, um, this year, unfortunately, it looks like Sarsborg have kind of taken over that mantle because Mikel Starr is quite boring with his tactics. So um, there's always one team, though, isn't there, like that? And you're like, yeah, I'm not bothered about you. You're not bad. You know, they're a functional. It's a great word. Very functional. But um, don't get the juices flowing, do they? Um, Definitely not under Rosler. But anyway, I mean, Saar, uh, a player to, to very much uh, look out for there, Malmo. And um, I mean, we're going to move on to our final uh, Alsvenskan topic. Now, anything else you've got to say about Saar before we move on? No, that's it. I like what I see. You know, it's, it's too early to really project where he's going to go. Too early to even say he's going to be a big player for them. But I think just seeing glimpses, you know, and if you're going to watch Malmo, then definitely keep an eye out because he, he'll, you know, if he keeps it up, he'll, he'll start to get game, you know, game time and starts. So um, that just makes me want to watch Malmo a little bit more, but I think from what I saw in that match. So, yeah, good luck to him and uh, keep an eye out for I mean, Saar. You heard it here on the... 
Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, so Malmo are there in second place in, in the league. Joint second, I might add, because Elfsborg are also on 19 points. And uh, how many episodes have we done on the NFP? Probably about 60-odd, I reckon, maybe 70 even. This is season four. And uh, to be brutally honest, uh, they're, they're not really a team we ever really talk about, even in the pre-season pods. You know, it's like one minute, less than a minute about them. I've just got to ask the question, who are Elfsborg? What are they? Who plays for them? What can you tell us about Elfsborg? Why are they in third position? What's going right for this club? Um, you know, what city are they from? Um, there's a lot of sort of intrigue about Elfsborg. Um, they seem to regularly get overlooked. I don't think we've ever had a question about them. I don't think we've ever had a fan of Elfsborg even tweet at us or even talk about them so yeah let's give them a little bit of airtime because it may never get any better for Elfsborgs or worse so uh take it away Jonathan the mystery of Elfsborg yeah what what can we say about them I mean you're right there Steve we to be honest I've actually tried to not talk about them probably for about a good three years you know they've always just gone under the radar like like you said you're spot on there with your your uh, introduction uh, a team we've never really talked about, never had questions like you say. Um, they're doing really well. They they beat Mount Mialbi 5-0 away. Um, I tried to ignore them in, in recent weeks. They made a really good start. They've had some games where, you know, they, they, they've looked good. They've beaten teams. They, you know, they've scored 14 goals, conceded 11. Five wins, four draws, one defeat. Uh, you know, lost 6-0 against Hacken, by the way, uh, just about a week ago. So... We've gone from 6-0 defeat to a 5-0 win. They beat your garden though as well. Beat Malmo. Um, beat EFC away. So, yeah, quite a weird team. Um, but, uh, no, to be fair to them, they're, they're, they're looking okay at the moment. An interesting statistic regarding MST. I mean, one of the reasons we never ever talked about them, okay? 2017, expected goals 1.5 average. Expected goals against 1.8. 2018... 1.2 expected goals per game, uh, 1.59 against. So, you know, expected to concede more than, you know, they, they conceded more than than they were expected to score. 2019, 1.47 expected goals. Sorry, 1.3 expected goals, 1.58 expected goals against. So kind of, again, the balance is against them. This season, finally, they've started to change that ratio. They're starting to get the balance right a little bit. 1.4 goals per match, 1.1 conceded. The XG is still against them, to be honest, uh, 1.19 and 1.4 against. So that balance still hasn't worked out. But goals-wise, at least they're scoring more than they're conceding, which is a good thing. Not a team that has a lot of possession, 46% average. But one thing about them, I'll give them credit, they've got some decent players. You know, there's a few players that I do like on their on their team. Um, I think their recruitment's been, been quite decent. I think, you know, Elfsborg are one of those teams who have just gradually, solidly built over the last two, three years. And, um, you know, I was quite critical of their manager, Jimmy Telling, in the past. I've, all, I've, I've kind of said I'm not, not a massive fan of him, if I'm honest, at times. Um, he got relegated with Yon Shopping. That was probably the last time we really talked about him. Do you remember back in the day, Yon Shopping? Yeah. Um, before they went down, he, he then got the Elsborg job, which I felt he was maybe not lucky to get. But, you know, he, he's a really, he, was a quite, he was tagged as a really sort of, un, you know, highly rated young coach type thing. Um, and I felt that maybe at Elsborg, he didn't really make the most of it. But credit to him he's been given the chance i think there were situations where he might have maybe if with a bit more pressure at a bigger club he, he may have been under pressure for his job but that continuity i think has just allowed them to start building and and now they're starting to sort of bear the fruits of that to be honest well said uh there's some very good uh, analysis there uh on uh, elsborg and uh yeah i mean uh what, what, I, think, I can't remember this city myself i have a look before but uh maybe there's a bit of intrigue there maybe I should start a football manager save with Elfsborg one time. Um, yeah, got me here, um, Jonathan. But I mean, who would you say the best two players have been this season? Yeah, I mean, they're based. They're actually not too. Not, they consider the big derby to be EFK Jotterburg, so they're not too far from where I used to, you know, where I used to live. So um, you know, they're from Bor a region called Boras. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but yeah, it's not. It's really not far from uh, Jotterburg. So you know, Hacken, EFK are kind of like teams they'd consider rivals. You know, they're playing yellow and black as well, just like Beckel Hacken. So, you know, there's a bit to like about Elsborg, to be fair. They, you know, they've got a, a proud history about them. 
they've got sort of decent fans, you know. Um, they've not got a bad history, like I say. So they're not a bad team. It's just we never really focused on them in terms of, in terms of, uh, you know, they won the league in 2012 as well, by the way. So in terms of history, they you know they're not a, they're not a bad club. We, we've kind of overlooked them just because it's been a bit of a boring era for them in the last three four years. They haven't really really done much. They've been in a lower mid table that kind of thing. Players um, that I like at the moment, I think uh, there's a few that I've flagged in the past. Uh, I like Maroki and Dioni. He's a young young player who's coming through striker. Um, I think one of their main players this season and 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 the one that a lot of people talk about is Jesper Carlson. You know he's quite highly rated. I think Manchester United looked at him um, around 2017, 2018. There was a lot of talk about Manchester United being being in from him. I don't think he's United quality, if I'm honest. But uh, you know, I could see at the time there was a lot of a lot of rumours. Um, I think the best players this season. I think they've been based. If I'm honest, I, my personal feeling is they've been based a lot on uh, the collective. So uh, sometimes they're 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 terrible, and sometimes they're good. I like Holst. Uh, I think you know Danish player. Think he's a decent defender, and in getting some games I've seen, he's been quite good. Frederick Holst, right back, um, gets forward. He can pass it, he can cross it. He's he's, he's having a, a decent season, and back of la- back end of last season as well. I quite liked him. Um, one I considered for my fantasy team, in fact. And you know, you may want to consider it if you think that they're going to, you know, keep if they're going to avoid any more six nils anyway. Um, Pear Frick's not a bad forward. He's a bit old now, but you know, he's not bad. Dennis Hummert, you might remember him. Used to play in France, I think, for Troyes. Um, he's gradually just starting to mature a little bit now. Um, one of my team, one of my sort of 10 players to watch, Jacob Andrejka is in there. So they've got some young talents coming through. He's scored one goal this season. You know, they've got a few, they're, they're developing to be fair to them, Elsborg. And um, I'm not saying they can stay up there in third, but I think they're going to have, you know, they're definitely well placed for maybe a top half finish for, for a change. You know, maybe top, even maybe even top six if they keep this up. Very interesting stuff, I must say. Um, well said there, Jonathan. Quite in, quite impressed with uh, Elsberg. Actually, uh, listening with bated breath, almost uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, about some Elsberg uh, information. But um, yeah, I mean, well, it, you, it, it takes me three years, doesn't it, to get some get some information? Because you know, with me, I kind of was the same with Lillestrom. They were doing nothing, and I just kind of waited for them to get relegated, so I didn't have to talk about them. Um, well, I guess the same with Art, maybe in 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 the elitist area, but um, yeah, Elsborg, they're doing really well. Fair play to them, and a shout out, massive shout out to Elsborg. Do you want to know um, a random random fact as well, completely unrelated to football? But uh, I went to visit my godson last week, and uh, his favourite colours are yellow and black. He's only five, and he was sort of telling me that he he likes bees. And that's why his favourite colours are yellow and black. So I, I got a, a picture of a Watford shirt and I said, you know, maybe you should support Watford or Dortmund. But maybe, you never know, maybe I should tell him he says to support Elsborg or Lillestrom or Bickle Hacken. But uh, we, we don't seem to like yellow and black on this pod, except for Hacken, do we, Steve? You, you, you don't really like Lillestrom, do you? Yeah, I just never really... I didn't, not, I didn't. I think, actually, thinking about it, I did do a, a brief analysis on uh, Lillestrom in one of the very early podcasts completely ignore them they, they kind of meandered out you know into that mid-table side it just didn't really do anything remarkable it's weird isn't it it's just the way it goes with with with, with football sometimes uh, teams like that it's hard to actually talk about them until they do something either good or bad or something you know get tr- attracts the attention in the headlines but uh well think, yeah that, do you think they'll be back Lillestrom, yeah that they, they, they really should be back i think they've had a bit of a difficult start so far i don't really follow the obviously again um, too much, but um, I mean, you would expect them to cruise one of the promoted spots. Um, but I think they're going to be like a cup final for every team, though. That's the problem, and that can happen when a big club in any league around the world goes down. Um, they've got a massive target on their back, haven't they? So um, they'll be back, though, for sure. For sure. So, uh, yeah, that pretty much uh, that's it for the Swedish section. Um, and we will uh, take a bit of a break now and uh, after the interval we're going to talk about Norway the latest goings on there and especially a big match uh, coming up uh, over the weekend so we'll catch you very soon
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast for another week. We're moving across the border now to, well, not border, but we're moving across to Norway now. Um, borders are starting to open, aren't they, between Norway and Sweden? There's been a bit of a ban on uh, travel between the two countries due to uh, the pandemic. But uh, we're, our borders are open on this show, and we're going to move to Norway now and talk about, well, we're going to start with another player in focus this week, aren't we, Steve? Now, a bit of backdrop to this. If you haven't been on Scout, then I recommend you go on it as soon as you can because our Scout blog for the month has been extremely well received. It's uh, a blog on Buda Glimt. We've argued that they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in Scandinavia right now. Had a huge reaction, one of Scout's most shared and retweeted posts of the last sort of month, uh, which we're pr- proud to say, aren't we, Steve? We're keeping up our, our good record of shares, um, putting out some nice and compelling content for for Scout fans. So, um, firstly, Steve, well done. I really enjoyed your, your blog and al- analysing Buda Glimt and uh, tactically broke them down quite well, didn't you? Thank you very much, Arthur. And yes, uh, do check out my uh, blog post on the Scout about Buda Glimt. And uh, thanks. I do appreciate all the comments that have uh, been coming in from it, all the likes and retweets and stuff. Um, Obviously, it's been something that's been in the pipeline for a while. I, I knew there was going to be a lot of interest in them after the start of the season they had. And in the build-up to it, you know, I was sort of researching uh, a lot, lot of players. I expected there'd be a lot of focus on the likes of Jens Petter Hoger, Kasper Juncker, uh, who've been doing really well, Juncker especially, scoring a lot of goals. Um, and it, was, it kind of surprised me a little bit when I was looking through the statistics in the league, um, how dominant Philip Zinkenagel has been for them. And he's going to be the player in focus here. And for anyone who's, who has read the blog, then it will be kind of similar to what I writ, uh, wrote Sorry about him uh, on there. But uh, Zinkenagel has been an absolute beast. You know, it's um, it's astonishing how how, how how strong he's been. He's playing on that, in the 4-3-3 Buda Glimp formation, he plays on that right-hand side. Um, and I, there's no real set role, I wouldn't say, for him. You can't call him a conventional winger. You can't really call him an inside forward. Um, you know, at the same time, sometimes he's almost in a striker position, but that's the area of the field he's roaming in, and he's been causing havoc. You know, he leads the league in so many statistics. Um, I suspect his assist, for example, 3.78. Uh, he's had the most shots in the league, second best shots on target as well. So it's not like he's just been shooting randomly. You know, these shots are quality shots that are getting on target and, uh, you know, nearly half of those on target, which is sick, really. Um, but at the same time, he's not just shooting, he's crossing brilliantly. Uh, he's had the second most crosses in the league. I think the highest is uh, Mikel Desler, by the way, uh, right back at Horgus. And, uh, but they're very accurate crosses too, 51%. So again, quality and quantity. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it, really? Um, in addition to that, he's had more dribbles than anyone in the Elitisarian. I mean, play, uh, listeners who have never heard of this guy or never seen him must think he's like some sort of superstar, right? <laughs> I mean, and that's the level he's been playing at, um, Zinkenagel. It, it's quite uh, astonishing. Key passes, he's had m- more than double the amount of key passes than anyone else in the league. I mean, he's just ripping up the statistics in, in the elite area. And there's, there's a few others as well that I haven't even mentioned there. Um, he has scored seven goals. He's had, he's had six assists. Um, but I think what's happened with this player last year, he was pretty good, right? He was strong. Um, he was a regular in most people's fantasy teams, fantasy teams. I think what's happened during the winter, somehow he's moved to another level um, due to perhaps you know, the coaches have um, upped his game. He himself is probably in a better mental state. He's got more confidence. But he seems to have taken it to another level. And I think he almost goes under the radar, as ridiculous as that might sound. Um, everyone kind of knows he does so well. But maybe like players like Jens Petter Hoger take more of the headlines, you know. So I think he's a bit underrated. Yeah, really good. And I'm just going to read a, a, a short quote from, the, from your blog. Uh, I'm going to quote it directly here. Now, there is almost a poetic simplicity to the Bruder Glimp system. One of the main contributing factors towards their success in the last 18 months has been an, ab- an ability to keep a strong and consistent 11 in which everyone knows their exact role. Um, 
Players are scouted, recruited, or coached from within to fill each role and position. Glimpse effectively use a 4-3-3 formation, employing a left wing back with a quite attacking mindset and a right back with who is more conventional. Now, I have to say, Steve, this blog was really, I was really impressed with it. And, you know, you've got a lot of graphs there, um, a lot of sort of statistics to back up your, 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 your perspectives, a lot of evidence there in terms of their average possession, 65%. Um, you know, a lot of sort of tactical breakdowns, average player positions, um, really, really impressive blog, I have to say. In terms of Zinkanak, I mean, looking at his, his background and his, and his career history, he's kind of potted around Denmark and Danish football, isn't he? He's a 25-year-old sort of Danish player. Not really been a high-profile career, you know, with, with all due respect to him to a certain extent, um, given the numbers that he's getting now. Is, is there a reason behind this sudden... I mean, is it sudden? I mean, I know he's, had it, I know he's been quite good at Buda in general, but is there a sort of reason for this sudden explosion? Um, that he's, he's, he's putting together. What's your hypothesis on that? And, and how high is his ceiling? You know, is, is this just a, a nice run of form or is this something that can, can potentially lead lead somewhere, you know, to bigger and better things maybe with respect to Buddha Glimp? Yeah, um, I'm always, um, I would say I was uh, talking to, to Tom Dent, who was once a, a guest on this, on this podcast a year or two ago. Um, and we were just speaking about how good Glimt have been, and we, we briefly uh, touched on Zinkenagel. And I think Tom's kind of right that um, he said to me, you know, last season he was he was always getting into good positions and uh, not necessarily finishing the chances or making the right pass. But I think now he's he's got that extra bit of confidence about him, and and that could be a very good point. Um, what Tom said there uh, to me and. Uh, Look, I mean, it's just one of them things. Sometimes players get better, don't they? I mean, last season, how many times did I say on the podcast, Buda Glimp playing fantastic football, they deserve to be up there in the table, but they're overachieving with, with the player squad that they've got at their disposal. And I think that was kind of a fair comment. But this season, you can't say that. Like, they're up there completely on merit, and there's a reason for that. And it's because they've got bloody good players, Jonathan. And... It's a case of that coaching staff up there, right from top to bottom, the scouting departments, the manager, the coaches, the physios, whatever, are just doing a fantastic job getting the absolute maximum out of these guys. They're developing talent. I said they've stuck with that formation. Everyone knows what role they're doing and they're buying players who are going to fit into those roles. I just simply think it's a fact of they have a lot of quality players now. And and uh, and Zinkenagel is a prime example of that. He's you're right. He's never perhaps been anything special in in the past, but now he's at he's playing at the minute an incredibly high level. Now whether or not that will continue going forward, let's see. But um, fair play to him. It's just a simple fact of players can get better quite quickly sometimes, can't they? And, and surprise you all. Hundred percent. Now Buddha Glimp were founded in 1916. Let's go back a little bit in the history books. They've been in existence for what, 104 years, and their highest league finish in their history is runner-up four times: in 1977, 1993, 2003, and 2019 last season. Now I don't want to start sounding like an Alan Partridge day-to-day -day, uh, show, just doing a running through years. But um, you get a perspective there: four times runners-up, the last. Honours they won was the Norwegian Cup in 1993, a long time ago now, Steve. Is this going to be the year that Buda Glimp win the title for the first time in their 104-year history? I mean, I actually hope so, personally. I'm not anti-Molder or anything. I really quite like what Molder have done on the field in the last couple of years. Um, but and, and both sides are very unlucky, by the way, because uh, I think any other year, uh, each side would absolutely romp to the title. It just happens to be we've got two very good sides at the moment. Um, and uh, actually, I think Norway itself is going to be represented in Europe, uh, forthcoming by probably its best trio for, for quite some time, um, really. It's um, it's going to be uh, what Buda Glimt, Mulder, Rosenborg and uh, Viking, who, uh, who could certainly probably hopefully improve by, by the time September rolls around. In that regard, it's going to be a good trio um, there, certainly represented. But, um, I mean, I said before on the last podcast, I do worry that maybe the squad depth of Mulder will be crucial over a 30-game period. But if Budigan can keep this up, um, you know, why not? I mean, at the time of recording, 
they're playing each other in just a couple of days time so obviously the result of that match is going to be big and the two head-to-head matches could even determine the title it's i just don't see either really dropping too many points at the moment uh, and then there's a case of what players come and go i suppose as well there's more chance of buddha Glimp losing players than molder as well so at this point in time i've had to have a gun to my head sadly i probably just would give it to molder as an edge not because of the better team but because they've got that extra squad depth but i really hope buddha Glimp keep it up yeah and if you haven't seen that white scout blog then obviously uh, check it out go and follow us on twitter at nordic Footpod. we've posted the links or follow at just football we've posted the links there as well or follow our partners at Scout, who provide the the data and uh, obviously thank you to them as always for the partnership uh, which we we enjoy now just quickly on that before we move on because we've got a few listener questions we're going to come into the end of the show now um there's a big game coming up in norway which we'll talk about very briefly but uh just just before that yeah you, you mentioned europe and uh, for those who might be interested the draw for the uh, champions league first qualifying round will be done on 9th of august um with the second round draw taking place on the 10th of august so that will be coming soon and european football expert uh, but cassies who is uh, he runs a, a website which kind of models uefa's predictions and coefficients he has said that there's a strong likelihood that there will be a northern europe group of seeded versus unseeded teams and that's that will involve Mulder with your garden celtic dundalk Sudova, Mariage and Pol of Lithuania and Konitsky Nomads of Wales. So there is a potential there that Mulder and Jurgarden maybe could meet. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that one. The draw will be coming soon. But uh, yeah, European football, it looks like we're gradually gearing towards it coming back, even if it will be probably um, behind closed doors. Let's move on. Steve, I've got uh, you've done your player in focus there. Zinkin Agle, one to watch, 25 years old, and keep an eye out for him as, as, as the weeks go on. Another thing that you had some interesting perspectives on in the past week or so is uh, Wallerengo, isn't it? You've got a theory about their expected goals. And um, I suppose the question that I want to ask you is, uh, are they riding their luck somewhat up in third place? Yeah, I mean, they, they hired Dag Alefegomo uh, as their coach in the off-season. I kind of guess they knew what they were going to get from him. And um, he's effective. He gets results. He doesn't matter how he doesn't mind how he gets results. Um, he's certainly not like a part of the bus merchant by any means. Um, but he's willing to get ugly if needs be, and I think that's what's happened in the last two or three games. They've, uh, I think, I posted something on Twitter that their expected goals against the last three games against Mjern Dalen, Holgersund, and uh, Christian so it's something like six point three seven expected goals against, and they conceded no goals. And that kind of sums up a Fagermo side sometimes, doesn't it? They don't they don't play that well, but they dig in, they're disciplined, they're organised, and somehow find a way to get results. They've, they've been they have been lucky in those games, like the Mjerndalen match, for example. I think the officiating was an absolute disgrace in that game. Mjerndalen had about three disallowed goals just for pure physical uh, strength, you know, out muscling the opponents, which looked pretty legitimate to me. So I think me and Darlin would be feel very hard done by in that game. But so they were very lucky there. Um, they had ten men there for like an hour. The goalkeeper got sent off, so they dug in. Augustson was a nil-nil game, really. It should have been nil-nil, but they nicked it late, and then they somehow ground out a nil-nil at Christiansen. So look, that's the thing with Fagoma, isn't it? He um, he's always up there. You can't underestimate that manager. He's not pretty or always. They can play his team can play good football on a good day what he's really good at doing is when his sides are on their sort of b or c or even d game they get points ronnie dialer at following there's no way that that side under dialer would have picked up any wins in those three games in my opinion they might not have got any points and that's the difference that Fagomo does but at the end of the day sometimes these expected goals things do come back to bite you eventually don't they so watch out for them they've been quite lucky in that sort of thing recently so um statistics will say that they can't keep it up but he's getting the most out of that team in terms of points right now yeah it sounds like Mjondan had uh, more swipes at them than uh, than a tinder profile uh, as you've mentioned there um but uh at Mjondan, of course we've had their manager on the show and while angry we've had their youth coach jack brazil um on the show so Always, as always, subscribe to the Nordic Football Podcast and you can dig into the archives. Buda Glimp, we've had their sporting director. We've had quite a few guests, to be honest. Um, so we've got a really nice back catalogue if you want to listen to some of the people involved at these clubs, to be fair. 
Um, we're not going to preview the weekend's games in Norway just simply because this show is going to come out just before the games take place. But there is a massive game, Buda Glimt against Mulder, uh, which is taking place on Sunday at 5 p.m. UK time. Not entirely sure if it will be on Eurosport, but if it is, it's definitely worth watching. And even, even if it's not, definitely worth watching the top two against each other. Do you have, just very quickly, you know, you know, in a sentence, Steve, do you have a prediction for that game? Goals. Yeah, there'll be a lot of goals in it, I think. And I think Budiglin probably will win that match. Um, I think it kicks off uh, one hour about... So I think the Premier League final round start, kicks off at four o'clock, right? Am I right in saying that? So when it's, uh, when the Premier League final uh, matches are over, switch over to Mulder against uh, Budiglimt in the Elite Serien for the second half. It'd be well worth you watching. If it is on Eurosport, I'll have to check. But if not, try and catch catch a stream of it somewhere because it's going to be a really big game and uh, I think it'll be wildly entertaining. And I'm sure we'll discuss it in the next podcast, The uh, maybe even do a, a tactical analysis of that game. Who knows? Yeah, that is going to be a huge game. It's the, the, probably the game of the weekend, isn't it? I mean, uh, in Norway. So keep an eye out for that one. We've got some big games in, in both leagues, to be fair. Um, we've got a massive game in Sweden as well. We've got AIK against Jurgården. Um, two underachievers in fairness, but uh, always a tasty affair, even with no fans. So that's a big Stockholm derby. Um, big games galore. There's matches all the time at the moment, but um, keep it locked on the Nordic Football Podcast. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. Going to wrap it up, aren't we now, Steve? Have you got any big, are you ready for your cricket match? you think you're going to, you're back to well, out? particularly confident, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I'm glad I'm not a bowler, let's just say that. But uh, there is there's that, uh, one question that I do need to answer here. It was put in by uh, Ted about uh, Zakariasen at uh, Rooswog. He says, is uh, Christopher Zakariasen the perfect Mike Jensen replacement? So I'm going to answer that question now. I, I would say yes, he is. He's, um, what Zakariasen has done is uh, it's fresh blood for a start. And that's Roos- what's, what Rosenborg kind of needed to, to a degree. They, they've needed this sort of um, injection of... Uh, someone coming in who's got that sort of temperament and mentality, driven mentality, determined. And he's really come up good for them recently. He got a couple of goals against Sander Fjord. He, he's a canny player. He can play literally anywhere in midfield he wants. Um, like, you name a spot there, and he, he can fill it in. But especially good at uh, finding space and um, in, very intelligent. He's got a good finish on him if he needs be. I think I've talked in previous podcasts about how good he is in the air I, in fact i actually did a piece on him um on the wise blog last year actually I can dig that out somewhere but he's actually surprisingly good in the air as well um just a great player at finding a uh, great positional player actually zekar is then um and i think for in terms of mike jensen jensen was obviously a big uh, driving force for rosenborg and i think zekarison can go a long way to, towards filling it i like his mentality he's coming there and there's a few Rosenborg players the last couple of years have kind of been a bit sulky, you know. Um, it hasn't really worked out, but he's knuckled down, he's got his head down, and I think he's been their best player this season, really. Uh, I don't think, I think few would argue against that. And um, he's the type of player uh, recruited from within the elite Aserian, by the way. And and that is Rosenborg have had good success recruiting guys from within the, the league, like Berger Melling is another good example of that. Jermund Assen has done well at times. Uh, although kind of uh, Hornerland didn't really get the best out of him, but yeah, he looks good for, for Rosenborg. Quite impressed with him, and I fully, I certainly think Rosenborg will finish third this season from what I've seen recently. Um, no matter what manager they bring in, uh, I think it's beyond them to reach the top two, but they should get the bronze medal. Yeah, and for those who aren't aware of him, uh, Christopher Zakariasen is a 26-year-old uh, Norwegian player, plays in the field, and he's averaging a goal every 203 minutes this season. So. Four goals from nine games, maybe one for your fancy team. And uh, before we end the show, I'm happy that you're finally in the old Spence game fantasy league, Steve, because uh, that was, you know, a, a disgrace, if I'm honest, to not be in it. And uh, I had a little look at your, your performance. You did quite well. So let's let's see if you can catch me by the end of the season. That would be some <laughs> moment of shame for, for me. Yeah. Now, the, the table in the uh, uh, Svensk fantasy at the minute and... Uh, of uh it's not looking that great for you at least you're not bottom are you sadly i won't rule out you there are a couple below you so it's an improvement on last season from you uh, yeah i had a good week i've had a good week actually and uh i can't remember who's top of my head who's, who's top of the league but um 
the All Stars got 106 points this week in the Alsvenska. Yeah, he played as uh, played as um, I think he played as defensive card, so double point. His defense uh, part of the bus thing, hasn't he? Yeah, fair play. He's top. I think he was he did really well last year. I think in this as well. OCD All Stars, JS. If you're listening, well done. Uh, but he's top of that league, and then second we've got uh, Russell Cannon with Pete Melberg. But um, yeah. yeah, Jimmy Fishing, the uh, Nordic Football Podcast champion, currently fifth. So you know, riding the coattails, he's hanging in there, twenty points behind. Not a bad. You'll tweet out the join code for this league, won't you? Yeah, I'll tweet, we'll tweet out the join code. If you haven't joined yet, then do so. It's a strong league at the moment, but uh, meet my Warriors and AJ Football are lagging. Towards the bottom of the table, to be honest, where the Kalmar and I think you were the Ossesons of the league. To be honest, you didn't even enter the te- you know you, you're being investigated by Cass for uh, you know you didn't even you didn't even enter the league to be honest. So um, you didn't even get, you didn't even get the license. Red, red, red. I entered, but I've had points deducted. Yeah, exactly, you you're the <laughs> Wigan of uh, the Swansea Fantasy League. But uh, we're going to leave it there. Um, follow us on Twitter at Nordic Foot Pod, uh, and get us on Patreon.com/slash Nordic Football Podcast if you want to buy us a beer. Mine's been a whole garden tonight. Steve, I haven't seen you drinking anything, so good good for you. But um hope you've enjoyed the show as 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 always. Um do subscribe, you know, give us your love. Please share it if you do enjoy the show because you know we survive just from people sort of sharing it and, and spreading the word really. So hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, anything else to say, Steve? About it? Any plugs? That will do, I think. But uh, thanks very much for listening. Take care everyone, stay safe, and we'll catch you again next time. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.